Hi everyone, this is Andre from Localization Academy recording the Localization Podcast, my solo edition of the Localization News. This will be, I believe, on our podcasting platforms, platforms number 11. And we're going to be covering three different articles uh, as usually uh, for, let's say, week 32, because that's the week that I'm recording right now. And that's the week when we share these articles that I'm going to summarize to you listening or watching this uh, with our community on Discord, and they can vote. And of course, you are also free and invited to share your opinion, which of these articles would you pick as the most educational? Like, which article would you pick that has the most educational and informational value for you? Um, I'll just briefly mention that I was doing a one hour plus, I think it was one hour 20 or one hour 15 minutes stream yesterday. Uh, it was a live stream where I was ranking 30 hard and soft skills for a localization project manager. I think it was uh, very interesting. And I was the reason why I'm mentioning this mostly, first of all, yes, you can go check out that content. Uh, but the second important thing is that I think I was talking too fast yesterday. I was, I think, a little bit passionate about um, discussing the different skills and what I think is important for junior, future junior PMs uh, to have. And yes, I was coughing a lot. And so the reason why I'm mentioning this is, is that I'm hoping that I won't be coughing that much today while recording this podcast for you. I have a glass of water next to me. So let's get right into it. Uh, we have, like I mentioned, three articles. Uh, the first one is the difference between translation and transliteration. Second one is why a cloud based translation management system is better. And the last one is five ways to use inclusive language in IT and software localization. So before I hit the recording, as usually I went through the articles, I highlighted some things that I want to reach to you. I think the first two articles, I probably won't have much to add even to the third one. I probably won't have much to add because a lot of these things, well, the first two, sorry, the first one and the last one, they were articles where I didn't know much about it. Like, I don't know what is transliteration. I don't know much about inclusive language and how to write it. So I guess uh, that's good for you because we'll just get to the, to the, to the, to the gist of the article and I won't have to waste your time trying to organize my thoughts and uh, provide some commentary. And when it comes to the second one, I think it's a pretty easy article. So I might say a few things here and there but I'll try to keep it short. So without further ado, let's get into the first article. And this one is from the website URL is tomeds.com. And it says, when I open this website, it says, uh, it's a, from a translators blog. And I actually thought that like how to how to how to pronounce this company? Is it even a company? Like is it Tomedes or is it Tom Eats or 
a desk or eat something. And I thought it might be actually a freelancer based on the way how it was written. But when I scroll down, it actually says that Tomides translation services is blah, 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 blah. So it seems like it's an LSP based in United States. So what do they have to tell us about translation versus transliteration? First of all, um, so in, so in simple terms, translation is the process of converting one language to another. The goal is for the target language to convey the meaning of the words. Transliteration, on the other hand, is the process of converting language from one script to another. The goal is for the reader to be able to pronounce the words in the target language. For a translator, it's worth noting that transliteration can be a much faster process than translation. You're cutting the need to convert the language into another script out of the process, meaning it is often much faster to transliterate than translate. And as transliteration simply converts each word, you also don't need to worry about grammar, word order, sentence structure, and so on. Again, this makes for a speedier process. I think when I was reading this first introduction part, I was still not sure what transliteration is because I have never encountered it, encountered it in my, I, I believe the whole, uh, whole, my whole experience, my whole career. And I actually had to look it up uh, elsewhere, like what, what it means, and I still didn't understand it. But then as I was reading this article more, I finally understood it. So let's continue. An example of transliteration. I'm going to dive straight into a transliteration example to explain what I mean here. Let's use the words good evening. If you translate good evening into simplified Chinese, you get something, something, something. I think there are three characters here that, of course, I cannot uh, pronounce. I don't know what it means because it's in simplified Chinese. This is fine if the person who will be reading your translation can read Mandarin. However, if they can't, the translation quickly becomes pointless. Transliterate versus translate, however, and you get one shang hao when using the Latin alphabet. This provides the reader with at least a passing chance of being able to pronounce good evening in Mandarin. Now, examples of translation. Let me expand on this a bit. I'll start with some examples of translation using three Chinese idioms. So there are three idioms here to stay grounded, to give it your all, throwing an idea out there. And then there's the Mandarin translation, which is written using the Chinese characters. And now the examples of transliteration, the same English uh, idioms, but now we have the Mandarin transliteration here. And that's about it. <laughs> I think I should normally I would have edited this part, but uh, I didn't I, I don't know even why I went there because I didn't highlight this part. Um, so let's continue with the article uses of translation versus translation transliteration. This was interesting for me. This brings me to the uses and purpose of transliteration versus translation. You can use transliteration with any language pairing where the two languages use different alphabets. I've used Chinese above, 
but you can also use transliteration when working between the Latin alphabet and the Cyrillic alphabet, as used in Russia, Bulgaria, and elsewhere. Hindi's Devanagari script, also known as Nagari, Japanese kanji characters, and any other script which differs from that used for your source language. Transliteration can work with any of these scripts to produce a document that will enable the target audience to pronounce the words. This makes transliteration an incredibly useful communication tool between parties who use different scripts. Ultimately, the decision between transliteration and translation will come down to the purpose of the document. If pronunciation is the desired outcome, then transliteration makes sense. If you want to deliver the meaning of the text though, rather than simply you want to pronounce it, you'll need to opt for translation. If you're working on a transliteration project, you will likely need many of the same tools as if you were working on a translation. Decent translation software should be able to deliver both translation and transliteration, for example. Any good dictionary will include details of how you pronounce the words that it contains as well. It's worth noting that machine translation may be an option if you want to transliterate, as well as to translate. While machine translation options vary significantly in the way they work and the quality of the results that they produce, many will deliver transliteration alongside the translation. Some, such as Google Translate, will also play a pronunciation of the translation as well. Another point to consider is how useful transliteration can be with things like company names. The translation of company names can be a complex topic to grapple with, and the approach that a business takes to the translation of its own name will result from that individual company's plans and preferences. However, if you're planning to do business in a country where, they, where you can't read company names, using transliteration to ensure that you can pronounce them correctly is likely to be another point in your favor during meetings. It, in, it indicates a certain level of preparation and commitment on your part, which is never a bad thing in business scenario. And that's about it. That's the end of the article. I think as I was reading this to you, I still think I'm not 100% sure that I understand it. I totally get it, like transliteration, okay, like shows you, let's say, in the using Latin characters, how to pronounce, let's say, the, the Mandarin translation. But then I'm thinking, because in this example, where is this example? Wang, Wang Shang Hao, right? So that should be good evening when it's written in Latin alphabet, using Latin alphabet it still means that it was first translated, right? It's not just that you just take the words as they are. Or do you? I don't know. But if you just, I don't know, convert the words, let's say good on its own, and then evening on its own, into how it would sound in simplified Chinese, then you still have to do translation, no, I believe. This part I don't understand. And like I mentioned to you, I never had example of such a request. So this is completely outside of my imagination, I would say. I'm not sure if you 
If by any chance you ever had such an experience, feel free to let me know. Now, let's move on to the next one. This one is from Transifex. So unlike the previous one, Tomedes, Transifex, I know something a little bit about them because I was checking out their TMS. And so their article is why a cloud-based translation management system is better. And I think just to give you a heads up, this article is very basic, I would say. But in case you don't know anything about cloud versus on-premise, I think this is something that you can learn. You can learn these basics and what is the difference. So what is a cloud-based translation management system? And I forgot to drink some water. Software in general can either be on-premise, meaning that you have to install it on your device or on the cloud, meaning that you can get access to it directly via an internet browser. And that includes translation management system. Now, why would you want to do it? Here are a few reasons why. Number one, ease of access. One of the biggest downsides of on-premise software is that you have to install it on every single one of your devices. And once it's installed, don't forget about individually adjusting the settings as well. Sure, some apps do automatically sync in your data, even if they are on-premise, but how seamless this is going to be depends a lot on software engineering. A cloud-based app, on the other hand, is designed from the beginning to be accessible as is from anywhere. That could be your desktop computer, a laptop, a tablet, etc. The huge benefit in this is that you can start working on something from your desktop at home. Then you can carry on at your office or you can even grab your laptop and travel without having to worry about installation and setup. Number two reason, one platform for everyone. It's not unusual for companies to rely on hundreds of people to localize their content. Imagine if all of them had to install and set up the app one by one. Instead, with a cloud-based TMS, all they have to do is log in and the app will be waiting for them. This is great for crowdsourcing as well. Translators and, well, pretty much everyone is more likely to get discouraged from helping if they have to go through a setup process before they can get to work. I can agree with this. Number three, updates. Software updates are like working out. Everyone wants the benefits, but few find the time and effort that are needed for it to be appealing. And it makes sense. When it comes to on-premise software, update notifications and installation can be disruptive and annoying. But that is not the case with cloud-based software. An update for a cloud-based translation management system or any kind of software for that matter is delivered over the air, OTA. This means that you don't really have to do anything at all. Okay. So whenever you don't have anything to do at all, just call it over the air. <laughs> Number four, final reason, plugins. Another problem with on-premise software is that you don't only have to download and install the software itself, but also any of the plugins integrations that you may want with it. But that is not the case with cloud-based software, since all you have to do is select the plugin you want, set it up if necessary, and that's about it. No need for downloading and installing anything. 
This can be particularly useful for a translation management system since most users often have to get multiple integrations. Now, why get a cloud-based translation management system? Here I'm just going to read uh, some of the, mostly just focusing on the titles. So first one is automation. And this, I think the reason why I didn't highlight uh, the actual paragraphs from these reasons is because they are very basic, I guess, hopefully most of you can imagine what this meant by automation. But what I found interesting here is that uh, as an example of automation, they say a great solution for dealing with repetitive translations is translation memory. So they consider translation memory to be an automation benefit or reason, which technically is not true, right? Because you can still use translation memory, even on premise, you don't have it only in the cloud. Next reason is content management. Localization involves a ton of content management. You have to keep an eye on what needs to be translated or localized, what's in progress, work that's done, translations that need revisions, and content that needs to be updated. Cloud-based translation management systems are made for this. <laughs> Not only they make it easy for you to manage your content, but they also help with navigating through it with the help of numerous filter options. Reason number three, team management. If you have a lot of content to work on, it only makes sense that you are also going to need a lot of people to help you with it. Managing them with nothing but a communication tool like Slack can be a big challenge in more ways than once than one. That is why a robust TMS comes with team management tools as a core piece of functionality. We're talking about setting roles and permissions for each member, assigning projects, getting notifications in the app when someone makes changes and more. Finally, workflow management and reports. And here they mostly talk about uh, what their tool can do. So Transifix comes with reporting tools that you can use to measure your overall progress, what, who works on what, and your overall localization activity. Furthermore, you can get customizable workflows with quality assurance tools so that your team will be able to perform at peak efficiency. And that's about it when it comes to the article. So like I mentioned, I think very basic things. Um, I guess if you are still deciding between on premise versus cloud, even though these days, I'm not even sure who else does on premise other than Prados. Most of it is simply running in cloud, but I could be wrong. Um, so yeah, the one thing as I was reading through this and I'm actually just mostly reading it and not even focusing on the words that I'm reading. When it comes to design, I think I mentioned it even last time. That's one of the things that I quickly want to cover. So the first block I think was pretty nice. I think there's a lot of spacing between some of the paragraphs, but it looks nice. But the one from Transifex I think still looks better. And the Transifex ones has some nice images in the, in the content, even though the content to me is not that appealing. Now, finally, let's look at the final article where I think I have the most content to read for you. 
But this one to me was the most interesting with some examples, this time not in Chinese, but in Polish, which I think is the good thing because at least I can read it. It's very close to my native language, language that is Slovak. And so this article is by Loklazy. I don't know how to pronounce it. Lokalazy, Lokalazy.com. And it's about five ways to use inclusive language in IT and software localization. And first, let me get some water. With the growing emphasis on gender equality, companies are more and more focused on gender inclusive language. What is it and how can we implement gender sensitive language into our communication? Read this article to find out. Generally, we can define gender sensitive language as a means of communicating in a way that does not discriminate against a particular gender and does not try to propagate gender stereotypes. Below, there are some strategies and approaches that can upgrade your communications to be more gender inclusive. And I think there are in total five of them. Number one, introduce gender neutral words. words. Gender stereotyping can be avoided by discouraging the usage of gender specific terms or the general use of the word man. There might be some alternatives available. For example, in English, you might say police officer instead of policeman or policewoman and working hours instead of man hours. In other languages, such as German, you can use participle instead of a noun to remove the gender bias. Studierende instead of studenten und studentinnen. In Polish forms, student, male, and studentka, female, or feminine, can be substituted by osobi studentskie, persons who study. What is important you should note is that in comparison to English, using gender neutral words is much more challenging in fusional languages or inflected languages, as each word ending in the case of nouns and, and adjectives bears gender information. Uh, despite me having troubles even reading this part, I, th I think I understand <laughs> what they mean because we have the same in Slovak. Number two, using plural pronouns. Use they instead of he or she. In the past, male pronouns were often used to refer to a person of unknown gender. Later, it was replaced by the awkward phrase he or she. This form is far from perfect. It still points to two genders and it is quite long, which is important, especially in the case of UI localizations where character limitations often occur. Hence, in some languages, it has been replaced by the plural form they. So instead of writing, each administrator must sign his list, or instead of writing, each administrator must sign his her list, use the form each administrator must sign their list. This is not a perfect solution. And using the strategy in fusion languages might be tricky. For example, all programmers must code in Polish, Každý programista musí kodovat, I think, which is the masculine version, or Každý programista, každá programistka musí kodovat, which is the 
masculine slash feminine or feminine, yeah, version cannot be substituted with pluralized Shitsi programishi musia kodovac because in Polish plural forms are gender specific as well. Shitsi programishi or Shitskie programistki. Yes, we have the same thing. Number three, skip the gendered pronoun. In English, sometimes it is even possible to omit the personal pronoun completely without changing the meaning of the sentence. The sentence we ordered the detective to continue his efforts to find our dog can be replaced with we ordered the detective to continue efforts to find our dog. Surprisingly, in some instances it might work in fusional languages, so in Polish the sentence poprosilizmi ja ovidanie resti, which translates to we asked her to give us the change, can be substituted with poprosilizmi ovidanie resti. We ask for the change. Okay, I get it. In English, the gendered pronoun can also be skipped using the ing form. The network specialist must solve 1000 issues before they can apply for a pro badge. Can be changed to the network specialist must solve 1000 issues before applying for a pro badge. You can try and apply similar strategies for Polish. Specialista Sieciowi musi rozwiesać 1000 tisic problemów zanim będzie mogł ubiegać się o odznakę pro. Can be converted to Specialisti Sieciowi musi rozwiesać tisic problemów zanim możliwie będzie ubieganie się o odznakę pro. However, this will not work as neatly as in English. Okay, that's a terrible Polish. Number four, address the reader directly. In a certain context, you can omit the role, uh, in parentheses, user, administrator, or client, and compose a string without it. So instead of writing as an administrator, you need to make sure that data is saved at regular intervals. You can write save your data at regular intervals. This works in Polish equi equally well. Jako administrator musisz si upewnić, że danie se zapisywanie regularnie changes into regularnie zapisuj danie. It's funny. Uh, I think it's it's data that's actually translated as danie, which in Slovak means taxes. This strategy also allows you to create shorter strings, so it, it is extremely useful and universal. Finally, number five, use the passive voice. Passive voice is often a questionable stylistic solution, yet it can serve as a useful alternative to gendered constructions. Instead of writing, the project owner must have actionable resources for the task they are presenting. You may write, the project owner must have actionable resources for the task being presented. Again, in case of fusion languages, this strategy might work quite neatly. And in this case, I will skip reading the Polish one. Some information is missing after converting the sentence, both in English and in Polish, but the general meaning is preserved. Now, final chapter that we have from this article is gender sensitive language in companies. 
apart from writing the text with this guidance in mind, an additional linguistic challenge is that localization specialists who will translate your documentation and software will need to consider that not every language can be easily adapted into a gender sensitive version. Some languages will require a lot of creativity to make it work. Nonetheless, language affects the way we perceive the world and it shapes our vision. So use it to keep your customers feel welcome, no matter who they are. The examples above show that gender sensitive language can help to avoid assumptions about male and female users, and also linguistically address people who identify as neither, neither male or nor female. Gender sensitive language can make textual communication much more inclusive. It is observed that it can sometimes be confusing and may even be met with resistance. Yet well-written technical documentation and UI are critical to your customers. And that is the end of this article. I have to say I also like the formatting on this one. They are using actually emojis. So everyone who uses emojis is cool with me. Um, yeah, it's very nice written. And to me, this one was the most interesting, although I usually have my let's say not the most popular opinion when it comes to all this inclusivity and all these new things that are happening in the world, I sometimes feel that I'm <laughs> very old, and not very flexible. Um, but this was this was quite uh, useful to me. Mm, so finally, to cast my vote, I'm going to fast cast it for the final article from Localize. Uh, because like I mentioned, the first one translation versus transliteration again, not much experience. And like I mentioned many times, I have never worked as a translator. Uh, so to me, it was at least interesting to learn what is transliteration. Now I sort of have some idea, but I still don't know the practical thing where you would go just for transliteration, never had such a project. Now the second one cloud based translation TMS, um, not that very useful to me. So yes, that's why naturally, I only have the last option. And that's it. I think we are pretty good time wise. Again, uh, I apologize if the only value that I provided is reading. And in this case, in two cases, I didn't even know how to read it correctly, because I don't know Chinese, I don't know Polish that well, even though my language is very close to it. Sometimes I just I don't know, mispronounce certain words here and there. But it is what it is, you know, like, we'll see for how long I'm going to keep doing this. <laughs> I have to say that maybe in case I just feel that I'm only reading, maybe even I personally don't feel that I'm adding much value and maybe it's not that much fun. Certainly not so much fun as what I was doing yesterday on the stream, where I was mostly saying what I think about the project management skills, which is all based on my experience. Uh, but yeah, we'll see what happens what what goes how we continue with this. But anyway, so far, the reception, at least when it comes to the number of downloads that I see in the platform is pretty solid, I would say, even consistent, I think I did this for three weeks. And the numbers are pretty similar, they are definitely less than when I do the regular interviews. But 
I think I still have to remember that, first of all, I do this just by myself. It doesn't take that much time to, to pre prepare for this, to record it and to edit it. Um, it's something that I can technically do consistently if I feel like doing it, uh, because it basically just needs my own input. I just turn the camera and start recording. So it's very easy. And the last thing is technically, I think so far, we never even shared it anywhere. I think we shared it maybe on Discord. So technically, all the downloads are coming from, I guess, you following the podcast on your favorite platforms. So without that being said, I don't know if I need to do some other admin information sharing with you at the end. Um, so if you got to this point, thank you very much for staying with me all the way until the end. Again, not sure if this will be posted on YouTube or not, I am recording it. So it might show up, I do have the recording from the last one uploaded to YouTube, but I still haven't published it. Maybe I'll do it tomorrow. But for now, it's 2pm, I'm gonna go uh, get my lunch. Then I'll edit it and then I'll quickly publish it. So you can start listening and that's about it. Nothing else. Thank you for spending the time with me. And if you did get any value out of this, please let me know on LinkedIn or whatever works for you. Thank you and hopefully talk to you in the next episode or see you in some other video. Bye bye. <laughs>